Welcome to New Creation Ministries Sermon Podcast. This week, Pastor Mark reminds us that spiritual maturity doesn't just happen. It requires a disciplined approach to maintain a consistent walk with Christ. Because once we get in shape, we must also strive to stay in shape. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for this time that we have today. And Lord, when we gather together like this, we really don't want to hear from a person. We want to hear from you. So we ask today, God, that you would meet each and every person right where they are and bring them closer to you. Give us eyes to see you. Give us ears to hear you. And give us the grace to be doers of your word, not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. How's everybody doing? Okay, everybody say happy birthday to Lene. Happy birthday. Give it up for her. Surprise. <laughs> hey, one thing I love um, about our church family is I've said from the beginning, we will never be a church of just like one voice. So, you know, when Shelly comes and says she has a word and then last night somebody had a testimony as well. Um, I'm glad you feel that you can come and share that, you know, um, just always give as long as you're okay with well, sometimes I may have to say no because I'm trying to do it by the spirit. But keep bringing it. Keep bringing it. You do your job to come and then, but I don't feel like I have to carry the weight of the whole service by myself. The Lord is speaking to other people in the body as well. So I'm going to thank God for that. And so today we're going to be talking about uh, self-discipline. And as we go into the fast, our focus is going to be about discipline. And um, so we just want to dive into this. As our fast starts um, this coming Tuesday, and um, we'll end, it starts on the 2nd, we'll end on Saturday night, the, the February the 10th, it will end as service ends, that's when we'll end. Remember our fast goes, it's six days on, so we go, we normally go Monday through Saturday, you're off on Sunday, but Sunday still counts as one of our 40 days. And Sunday takes time. You can recalibrate, see if the Lord wants you to fast something different. Or you can then we pick it right back up Monday and we'll get some more details at the end of the message. Um, but let's look at Matthew. We're talking about self-discipline. Let's look at Matthew 28, 19 through 20. <clears throat> Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the word discipline comes from the word um, disciples, which is a Latin term for pupil is where we get the word disciple. And the word disciple me is one who studies in order to obey what they have learned. A disciple is one who studies in order to obey what they have learned. And I always like just a, a little Selah examination for yourself. Based on that definition, are you a disciple? Do you study? That's the first part. Do you study? And then is the reason for you studying to obey what you've learned? Look at 1 Timothy 4, or 1 through 5. But the Spirit explicitly says that in later times, some will fall away from the faith, 
paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. For everything created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with gratitude, for it is sanctified by means of the word of God and prayer. If we go back to that verse 1, it says, but the Spirit explicitly says, like, think about that. When we see verses like that, we have to slow down and take that seriously. The Holy Spirit explicitly says, meaning the word explicit means in a clear and detailed manner, leaving no room for confusion or doubt. The Holy Spirit is saying in a clear manner that in the last days, some will fall away from the faith. And some doesn't mean a small amount. And I think we, we hear, hear scriptures like that. What does that, like, come on, well, that should stir something up in us. Like, wait a minute. Do we see this happening around us? Have we seen more people fall away than ever before? Shock to your system, some of the people who have fell away. Scandals in churches at an all-time high. You know, people you never thought even be associated with scandals, associated with scandals. Man, this fall away is happening. But the Spirit said, so when I see people fall away, I'm discouraged. But at the same time, I'm encouraged. That means the word of God is true. But I'm discouraged by it. But he's given this warning to us, right? And it says some of the things they would begin to do is they begin to pay attention to deceitful spirits. Deceitful spirits. Remember it says the devil will mask himself as an angel of light. There are people so deceived that they think they're actually still Christians, although they're not doing anything that lines up with Christianity. They, they think they're Christians, but they clearly aren't disciples. The things of God don't interest them, but they think they're Christians because the Spirit says, that's okay, he loves you so much, just be about, you know, just you do you. Like deceitful spirits, right? Deceitful spirits in the church world, right? Nowadays, churches don't even want to do church anymore. They want to be an event. They want to be something else. But it all seems spiritual, deceitful spirits, right? It says, and the doctrine of demons, the devil don't care if you don't worship him. As long as you don't worship God. The devil don't need you to say, I worship you, Satan. He just needs you to not worship God. And so what is the doctrine of demons? You do you. Y'all heard that phrase, right? You thought it just a commercial. You do you. The, if you have, a Satanist doctrine is do as thy wilt. That is in their doctrine. You do you. Do what you feel. You don't check with what God wants. You do what makes you happy. You do it. That is a Satanist doctrine. And we quote it all the time. You do you. I'm just doing me. You're really doing Satan. So he says in the last days, we got to be on the lookout because people are falling away because they're not into sound doctrine anymore. They're not into sound teaching. Bible teaching has become boring. Bible teaching has become boring. And then sometimes as, as a leader, I got to confess, I take for granted that people know certain things that are just given. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day and they said it was a new thing for some people that heard about the, what the virgin birth really meant. And I was like, wow, I thought everybody knew that. 
but, but we don't teach anymore. You know, some people don't even know why they need Jesus anymore. Some people, I tell you, hey, you know the story of the prodigal son? Like, what? Like, things used to be commonplace aren't anymore. But people have this spirituality apart from the Bible. And he says this is going to happen in the last days, right? He said they would do crazy things like forbidding things that God said were okay. Like forbidding people to marry. Forbidding people to eat certain foods. Listen, y'all. You know, Jesus said there's no food you eat that's going to make you unclean in terms of sin. All right? But understand everything unclean, just because God says it's lawful doesn't mean it's healthy. So we still want to use God's wisdom and what's healthy. Not just because it's lawful family. We're going to have to have a discussion sooner or later about substance. Because a lot of times when it comes to substance, people just talk about, well, it's okay for me to do this. Like, well, it's okay for me to drink. And yes, I can't taste the sin for you to drink. But now you know what's okay? Is the drinker going to be okay if somebody pulls up and rolls a blunt in front of them? Because now it's okay to smoke weed. We're going to have to have a conversation, church, one day about this because right now there is no scripture you can give the weed smoker, especially if you're a drinker. So, y'all, everyone should be okay because the church world is now okay with everybody doing everything. Everybody should be okay. When you pull up to the church one week, I'm going to have a 40-ounce and a blunt sitting out front and say, I'm free. (laughs) Would that mess you up? You don't think it messes the world up when they see you do it? But we're going to have that conversation because we can't go by what's lawful. Just because it's okay to do doesn't mean God wants you to do it. Understand that. It is totally okay for you to shove glass in your eye. It just ain't too bright. And what I say, and this is me as your pastor saying, I don't think it's wise to put anything in your body that can mess with your sobriety. Because the scripture says, be sober-minded and alert. And to take something in that know, it, to know that the goal of the maker of it is not your sobriety. To know that it wants to impact your mind and mess up your decision making, I don't think that's wise. It's lawful. I can tell you're sinning. But I think we want to do things because of wisdom. And again, how are you going to feel one day if the sanctuary smells like weed? Because everybody smoked before they came in. And we can't say nothing because... It's lawful. I don't think that, that, that doesn't seem to mesh with me. We got to have a conversation about that one day, church. But we want to do things because of wisdom. See, the goal is not right or wrong. The goal is righteousness. The goal is wisdom. The goal is to be like Jesus, not to be right or wrong. Is that Jesus? And I'm telling y'all this, my goal is to reach as many people as I can for Jesus. And here's what I found. This is me. I found if I was a drinker, I can't reach people that don't think drinking is okay. Right? I, I just can't. Right away, if I'm a drinker, I can't. But I can reach people that do, that do think drinking is okay. If I don't drink, I can reach them both. I found the same thing with smoking. If I smoke, I can, I, can, I can reach people that think smoking is okay, but I can't reach people that don't think smoking is okay. If I don't smoke, I found I can reach them both. So my goal is not to whether I'm getting, what I'm allowed to do. My goal is to position myself to reach as many people for Christ as possible. And I believe that was Jesus' goal. Look at 1 Timothy 4, 6 through 10. 
In pointing out these things to the brethren, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, constantly nourished on the words of the faith and of the sound doctrine which you have been following. But have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. For bodily discipline is only of little profit, but godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. For it is for this we labor and strive, because we have fixed our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of believers. So what, what Paul is saying and what we understand is to be excellent in something requires a disciplined approach to constant improvement. To be excellent at something requires a disciplined approach to constant improvement. I used to tell my son this all the time when he played, bas he played basketball. I said, son, there's no such thing as coasting. Either you're getting better or you're getting worse. There is no such thing as just in the middle. Do you know that a car that's in neutral is on its way to inactivity? It's just a little, it just seems because it's moving like it's not. But the reality is a car that's in neutral is on its way to inactivity. Do you know a saint of God that's in neutral is on their way to inactivity? I guarantee you this. You won't find anybody who fell away from the church who just one day got up and said, I'm leaving church. At some point in time when they walk, they put it in neutral. They put the prayer life in neutral. They put the church life in neutral. They, took, they, took, they put seeking the Lord in neutral. And the moment they did that, they were on their way to an inevitable halt. And so understand this, y'all. He said, to, Paul said, to avoid this, he instructs Timothy to discipline or train himself in godliness. Look at that phrase. It says, to train himself. He had to train himself into godliness, right? He was saying, God, look, he says, people train themselves naturally. He says, to, to do physical exercise has a benefit on this side, but to train yourself in godliness has benefit in this life and the life to come. When he's using that word training, he's, just, he's using a word that athletes would use for the strenuous workouts, right? Training has two functions, getting in shape and staying in shape. You ever notice that in our culture, we do something every year, we get to a place, we start getting in shape, and then we say that's enough, and then we get out of shape. And then we start, so we spend more energy trying to get in shape, but if we was to discipline ourselves and just stay in shape, it wouldn't be such a hard road to get back, right? You ever start something, stop, and then you were like doubly worse, you were two times worse off than you were before, right? Our pursuit should be to, to get spiritually healthy, and stay spiritually healthy. To have disciplines in your life means you have to establish what are called something called non-negotiables. What are some non-negotiables in your life? Help me. Bible reading. What are some non-negotiables in your life? Prayer time. Church attendance. Fellowship. Anybody got any non-negotiables with like your family? Eating together. Right? You're going to feed them. <laughs> right? Non-negotiable. Even if you don't feel like it, you're going non-negotiable. You're going to get up and go to work. Well, even, whether, even, even when you don't feel like it. You know, vacation's about to end for a lot of folks. And non-negotiable. So that alarm goes off. I can get angry at the alarm. I can get frustrated at the alarm. But you know what's a non-negotiable? I'm getting up and I'm going to work. 
So I want you to understand this. This is, he's saying train yourself like an athlete does for a contest, right? I want, y'all got to get this, y'all. Spiritual maturity doesn't just happen. It requires hard work, effort, and discipline. Spiritual maturity just doesn't happen. And I think sometimes people talk to me like it happens. Oh, Master Mark, you're, you're just so good at sharing the gospel with people. How do you think that happened? Oh, you know your Bible so well. How do you think that? Have you ever had a conversation with Pastor Rob? He is like a wealth of biblical information. You think that just happened? You think he has some disciplines in his life? Some non-negotiables in his life? Y'all, spiritual maturity just doesn't just happen. What we've become in our culture is spiritually lazy. We find someone else who put the work in, and then we try to suck all the life and energy out of them. We call them spiritual leeches. We won't do the work ourselves to know the word for ourselves. We'll just say, well, I don't know the answer to that. Let me call such and such. Why don't you open your Bible? And you put some disciplines into your life. Now, see, we don't like these words like effort, hard work, discipline. See, the New World Church movement, oh, it's not about your effort. And then we read Bible scripture that says, make every effort. <laughs> right? So, wait a minute. It is about your, 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 we are not putting the effort forward to being saved. Understand this. Salvation is a gift from God. We are not working for salvation, but we are working out salvation. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 to 13. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. He says to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Help me, church. When you hear that, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What does that mean to you? When you hear those words, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, what does that mean to you? Help me. Holy reverence. Say it again. Pruning. Fear of having a life without the Lord. Urgency. You better get it together. Translation. You better get it together. That's why I love Mary. Mary's not well church. She's like, you better get it together. That's what we need. I think the scary part is these words don't mean a lot to a lot of people. We see scriptures that say, seek to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What are you, afra- what are you supposed to be afraid of? I don't think people are afraid of God anymore. The fear of the Lord is missing. We talk about him any kind of way. We don't even have reverence for the house of God anymore. People come in the house of God, they're going to joke, be distracted, do all this other stuff. They don't really have a reverence for God's house anymore. There used to be a time when people had a reverence for God's house, Right? There used to be a reverence for certain kind of behavior and things in the church. We don't have reverence for the word of God anymore. I get to it. I get to it. You know, it's like but fear and trembling. Those are like serious statements. And nowadays you say, well, God don't want you to be afraid of him. 
I don't think he has to want you to be afraid of him. If you see him, you'll be afraid of him. He didn't really ask, do you want to be afraid? <laughs> Nobody who saw God, did he have to ask them, did they want to be afraid? They fell to their faces. Fear is a great motivator. The reason you locked your doors is because of fear. The reason we have a security system is because of fear. And guess what? How many of you have a discipline of locking your car doors? Locking your house doors. Fear is a great motivator to put some disciplines in your life. But I want you to understand this. I, we are not working for salvation. Our salvation is a gift from God. But when we work it out, we must apply our energy to the gift. We must apply our energy to the gift. We don't have any children in here today. We had some children here yesterday. But we had a little guy in here yesterday. And he was a little guy. And then we had um, Justin. It was like, y'all ever seen Justin? He's like built up like the Hulk. And now, what most people don't realize is the little guy and Justin have the same muscles. Justin doesn't create muscle. Justin just exercised his muscles. And the more he exercises muscles, the more visible they become to Justin and everyone else around him. The little guy has the same muscles. He just hasn't exercised them. Are we, are we, are we tracking? God has given everybody the same opportunity. We all get the gift. Those who exercise the gift, it becomes stronger and more visible to them and those around them. Those who don't exercise the gift, it don't grow. Some got some puny faith, some flabby faith, muscle atrophy, 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 I can't pronounce, atrophy. Your muscles stop. But we all have the same thing. So the difference sometimes in somebody else, the difference in somebody in Reggie is Reggie exercises his spiritual gifts every day. So therefore, you're like, oh, he's a man of faith. He's a man of faith. If, if you ever see somebody and say, man, they're on fire for God, you better ask yourself a question, then what am I? And like, oh, man, Daryl, man, Daryl, now he, he's a man of God. He's on fire for God. That makes, then what am I? If he's on fire for God, what am I, lukewarm? Oh, man, oh, such and such, they're always in their word. Then what about you? So we need to understand we all, we're not working for salvation, but we are to work out salvation. We have to apply effort and energy to it in order for your faith to grow, in order for you to persevere. Look what, and what does that look like? 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 25. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So understand when Paul's writing this, he's talking about the Greeks. And the Greeks valued the running gifts. They, run, they valued the running events over all the other ones, right? And, and I think we can relate because there is something appealing to the eye about watching people run really fast. I mean, I don't care where you are. Like when I was younger, when you watched the, the Summer Olympics, that was the main thing you wanted to see. 
the, the 100 meter dash. Who's the fastest man in the world? We always, wonder, we always stop and watch somebody run really fast. I remember there was Carl Lewis when I was younger, and then you got older, there was this dude named Usain Bolt. Maybe y'all familiar with Usain Bolt? We had a picture of him. And it's like that dude, when he runs, it's like he's gliding. I mean, and he is like flying. And every time, no matter where I was, if I saw him on the screen, I would just stop and watch his race. There's something about watching people run. The Romans valued this much because they said running fast was a valuable piece for war. So you could run, you can ambush somebody fast, and if you had to retreat, you could retreat fast. We wouldn't lose a soldier, right? But do you realize when he was the fastest man in the world, how often and how long he trained to be that? His races literally last less than 10 seconds. And he's training for weeks and months and years for that race. He doesn't always know who the other opponent's going to be. He really ain't competing against them. He just believes if he runs as fast as he can, he'll win. What we do in the church, sometimes we compare ourselves to other runners. And as long as I keep pace with Megan, I'm good. No matter how slow she's running. As long as, you know, as long as, as long as, as long as, okay, you, you're not going to read as much. You're not going to pray. Okay, cool. Hey, you're not going to pay attention. I'm not going to pay attention. Cool. You're not going to, as long as we got some people with us, that's our gauge. But I want you to understand this. The challenge is often shorter than the time it takes to prepare for the challenge. If your challenge seems long and drawn out, it's probably because you're ill-prepared for it. My basketball coach can understand this. The game is still the same length, but sometimes some guys are bent over huffing and puffing because they're out of shape. The challenge, though, is often shorter than the time it takes to prepare. We practice six days a week for two hours a day for a game that lasts 32 minutes. The preparation is greater than the challenge. The preparation time, right? Come on. Boxers train for months between fights, sometimes six, six months in between fights for a fight that's going to last 36 minutes tops. And all the while they're training, they're disciplining themselves, and they're getting everything out of their life that could hinder them for that competition. When that challenge comes, they're getting everything out. Right now, before the challenge is even in their face, they're getting everything out of the way so they can be prepared for that challenge. And they're doing that for something that's earthly and temporary. And the scripture says, how much more should we not be doing the same thing? But it's eternal, for something eternal. I think here's the tough part for the church. You're in a war and you don't even know it. The war is coming. And some of us think we're just going to drop and get ready before it comes. You better start preparing now for when it comes. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 and 26. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. I'm not just being aimless. I'm I'm asking you a question, church. What is your goal? Come on, in your faith, what is your goal? When you get up every day, 
What is your goal for that day? What is your kingdom goal for that day? If you don't have one, start asking the Lord to get one because that's aimless. If you don't have a goal, that is the definition of aimless. Is your goal today just to breathe? What is your goal that day? Come on, what is your, what is your, in your walk with Jesus, what is your mission statement? You might not have one, but maybe you start thinking of one now, right? I, I got one. It's live holy and spread the gospel. That is my goal every single day, to live holy and spread the gospel. You can swipe that one if you want. I got it from the scripture. So it's no copyright. To live holy and spread the gospel. That is my goal when I get up every single day. And I want to learn more about God so he can prune off anything that's going to hinder holiness. And then I want to be, and I want to live a life that when I spread the gospel, they look at my life and it's like, you know what? Your life testifies the same thing as your words. Tell me more about this Jesus. What is your goal, y'all? If not, we're aimless in this, Right? Look what he says in 927. But I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Notice he says he disciplines himself. I discipline my body and make it my slave. Has your body ever got you in trouble? Your mouth ever got you in trouble? We'll talk about the mouth in a few weeks. Did you ever notice the mouth to fire some things out there? You're like, oh, no, no. I didn't. <laughs> and the words are already on their way out. <laughs> I remember years ago, man, when, when Shannon and I were living, um, it was like in our first five years of marriage, we lived in an apartment, and Shannon was, uh, I came home. I, no, I did some of the dishes, but I didn't do pots and pans. I don't like doing pots and pans. So I did all the other dishes. And Shannon, Shannon was like, she came in, she was like, if you're going to do the dishes, do all the dishes. Oh, this is y'all. This Shannon was always not always this sweet. She's like, you want to do dishes? Do all dishes. And I was like, what? I was like, you upset with me? Because I did part of the dishes and not all the dishes, and they were all your dishes. And she was like, that's right. You're gonna do it. Do it right. And now, and I think my brain is just trying to come up with something to say. And before my brain got a good statement, my mouth said, shut up. <laughs> and I was trying to get those words back as they were going out. It wasn't pretty. That's the last time I ever did that. But the mouth, if you, don't, if you don't discipline, your body will get you in trouble. You got to discipline your body and make it subject to your spirit or it will get you in trouble. Understand it's about lack of discipline. Some people just said, well, I got the knowledge of right and wrong. The right, knowledge of right and wrong doesn't mean you got a desire to do what's right. I have the knowledge of right and wrong. That don't mean I want to do what's right all the time. Anybody else? I know, some, I know I should keep my mouth shut. Don't mean I want to do it. Sometimes I know I should speak up. Don't mean I want to do it. Some, I know I should forgive. Don't mean I want to do it, right? And understand this. The desire to do what's right doesn't mean you have the will to do what's right. See, there's another step from desire. Now there's the will. Jesus said, not my will, let your will be done. Self-discipline trains your body to conform to the will of God. Self-discipline strengthens self-control 
And discipline transforms the mindset. Romans says the person who lives by the flesh has their mind set on the things of the flesh. How did they get their mind set on the things of the flesh? They trained themselves on things of the flesh. They filled themselves with things of the flesh. They're disciplined and faithfully watching and filling themselves with things of the flesh. You have a discipline, some people in the room, of social media. You're going to faithfully go to it every day and let it train your flesh. You got a discipline of being on your phone. You just committed to it. And now you're letting it train you. There's so many things that we fill ourselves with. We fill ourselves with certain music that trains our flesh. Certain movies that train our flesh. Right? Paul said, no, you better beat your body and make it subject to the Spirit of God. You need to take all those things and hold them up to the Spirit of God. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. It says the mind of the Spirit has themselves, has the, the person who walks by the Spirit has their mind set on the things of the Spirit. Well, how do you get your mind set on the things of the Spirit? You have to be intentional to feed yourself things of the Spirit. Are we getting this? So, so while... I got to get this, y'all. The spirit, you never have to train yourself to be worldly. <laughs> like, in sense, you do train yourself, but you're going to be worldly all by yourself. Right? Do you know it takes zero effort to get to hell? To get to hell takes zero effort. Everybody who wants to go to hell will get there. Nobody on that day is going to miss hell and be like, man, I was trying to get to hell and I didn't make it. But the Bible says everybody that wants to go to heaven is not going to make it. It says narrow is the way that leads to life and only a few be that find it. We don't preach that way anymore. Jesus still does. Narrow is the way that leads to life and only a few be that find it. If Jesus says only a few are going to find it, wouldn't you want to discipline yourself to make sure you're one of those few? And as you discipline yourself, yeah, it's challenging, but what do you got to do? You got to fix your hope on the living God. You got to fix your hope on the prize. You got to fix your hope on the victory to come. You got to fix your hope on the, man, the reward. Because without the reward, nobody's going through training. Right? Come on, without the reward... If there was no reward for you going to work, you hitting that snooze and going back to bed. The reward makes you get up. The reward drives you. Are we getting this? And so he says in a, in a race, everyone signs up to compete. But in that race, there was only like three spots. Because <laughs> he's talking about like the Olympics. Praise the Lord, there's more than three spots but it's still narrow. I love how Pastor Jordan put it. It's a narrow road that leads to life. It's one man wide. And that man is Jesus. And it's a single foul line. Examine yourself. Would you say in your life with Jesus, it's a, stand up for a second. If this is Jesus, turn around. Is this your life? If he's Jesus and I'm you, is this your life? Go ahead and walk, Pastor Rob. Is this your life? 
Is this your life? Or is this your life? Keep walking, Pastor Rob. I'll catch up to you later. <laughs> I'll catch up to you when it's convenient. Come on back, Pastor Rob. Come on back. You know, I'm going to hang over here. I'm a Christian, though. I love Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, it's time to go to church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Is that your life? That's the broad road that leads to destruction. That's called the scenic route to hell. You really think G's going to walk one place and you're going to walk somewhere else and it's going to have a happy ending just in time for him to say, well done. I think discipline is important. What do y'all think? Every healthy relationship has disciplines. Every healthy relationship. Here's the discipline, time spent, right? You know when people like first start dating, you don't have to convince them to spend time together. They will just automatically put that discipline in place, call each other, stay up, man. I always know when somebody's in a new relationship because they're only tired the next day because they don't been on the phone all night. They don't care. It's like, hey, spending that time, spending that time, right? Dates, those are disciplines, right? Gift giving, discipline, communication, those are disciplines. Now, here's what happens in real relationships and in our relationship with God. When you first get in a, re in a relationship with somebody, it's all romance. Responsibility is way down here. You're not responsible for them. You just get to do the romantic thing, all right? Responsibility is important. Romance is important. I tell my young ladies this. Look, don't look at how romantic a dude is. Look how responsible he is. Because good looking and no job is going to get old real fast. Now, here's what happens. As you get closer, once you get more, more in a marriage, responsibilities come. And then romance tends to take a dip. You don't have to work to focus on responsibilities. Those bills will remind you. You got to put energy into focusing on the romance. And the same thing happens in our walk with God. Responsibilities are the enemy of romance. Oh, remember I used to read my Bible. What happened? All these responsibilities. Got work. I got this. Got kids. I got that. Oh, remember you used to go to church? Remember, remember, man, it's, this is just, I'm just, I guess I'm, I'm just old school back in the day when people kind of went to church every week. And nowadays they say regular church attendance is going twice a month. What happened, man? I'm so worn out from all my responsibilities. I need extra time off, even time off from God's house. But you ever notice when those responsibilities start wearing your behind out, you find the energy to get to church? <laughs> right? Hey, planes crash into the World Trade Center. Everybody had time for church for about three months. So understand when response, so responsibilities is killing your romance with Jesus. The man I heard somebody say before, Satan, if he can't get your soul, he'll just keep you busy. B-U-S-Y, bound under Satan's yoke. And he's talked about this in Revelation chapter 2. He says, you're doing the church stuff, but you're not loving me like you used to. You don't love me with that same energy you had before. You know what he was talking, and, and he said this, 
go back and do the works you did at first. Now, we're not saved by works, but he said, go back and do the works you did at first. What is he saying? Those labors of love you used to do. See, when you used to spend time with God and block the world out, that's a labor of love. When you sacrifice, no matter how tired you were, eat, man, it's better off that you sleep in church than stay in the bed sometimes. When you did that, it's just a labor of love. Come on, early on in your dating life, you did the little labors of love. But I'm telling you this, when the labors of love stop, the love begins to grow cold. When the dates stop, the love begins to grow cold. When the communication stops, the love begins to grow cold. And the same thing in our relationship with God. When we begin to neglect the disciplines, me and my wife have a discipline called date night. It's a non-negotiable. And we have to put it on our calendar and a schedule. Why? Because it's that important that we're telling everything else we're making time for this discipline. Why would I not do that in my relationship with God? It's that important. I'm not saved by it. But why would I not have that discipline in my life? Right? Are we getting this? Worship team, you start making your way up. I'm walking, start making your way up. Discipline, y'all, is what keeps the fire going in the relationship, right? And when you're devoted to your disciplines, you learn how to grow in God. You be, man, that discipline is evidence of the committed relationship with God. You are now training yourself spiritually. You are now investing in your own spiritual walk, right? And he will reward you. When, you. when you discipline yourself to spend more time with God, you know what he rewards you with? More of him. And that didn't excite people last night either. And that's how I know we don't know God. He's going to reward me with a million dollars. Praise the Lord. He rewards you with more of himself. And we're like, yeah, and what about my dream house? What about my dream car? What about my dream job? No, he's going to give you more of him. And guess what? And here's the thing you get on top of that. He then is going to actually use you more. And if the first one don't move you, the second one definitely won't move you. And that's why we got to fast. So that we can know God. We don't know him like we think we do. And we don't know him like we need to. Because when we know him and you hear somebody say, you're going to get more of God, man, you would just say, you would just hallelujah and just bring this roof down. But if you believe the American gospel and it's about what God can do for you and what he's going to do for you, that's a doctrine of demons. That's a deceiving spirit. It is not, church has never been, church and kingdom and God has never been about you. In our culture, we make it about you. We say it's about your experience. Who cares about your experience? This is about worship. Experience, when we say experience, that when you leave, I would say, man, how was your experience? God don't care how your experience was. Did you worship him in spirit and truth? Because experience, the problem in the church world today is the business model. The business model is about the people. When you have the business model for church, you know the number one rule of business, the customer is always right. 
So I want to know, well, Megan, did you like everything we put on for you? Will that get you to come back? Will you bring some friends with you and hope they bring their wallets? That ain't worship. That's a show. Did you give, did you pour yourself out before God? Did you present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable for him? Did you say, God, what can I do for you? Because you've already done it all for me. But if we get out of discipline, we don't even know that's what we need. Disciplines, prayer, talking to God. We're going to get into these over the next few weeks, y'all. Prayer. Listen, as your pastor, I'm going to tell you this right now. Every morning I get up, I wrestle with prayer. Not the fact that I'm going to pray. I'm like, God, I don't even know what this is supposed to look like. I've been so messed up by the church world. I see this person. They say that person can pray. I feel like like I'm not intellectual enough. I'm like, God, should I write today? Should I get on my knees today? Should I walk and talk today? Should I play some music today? But one thing I know for sure is I'm going to pray. So I want y'all to know, adopt this term. You can steal this one if you want. I am very comfortable with my uncomfortable prayer life. It's a discipline. It ain't a feeling. Reading the word. It's a discipline. It's not about whether you like to read. Because we know you like to read because you text. You social media. So we know. It's just a discipline. Going to church, discipline, fellowship. It's a discipline. I know you're not a people person. Who cares? He didn't ask you if you're a people person. It's a discipline. Somebody needs what you have. And you need what somebody else has. It won't always be convenient. It's a discipline. If it's always convenient, it's not a sacrifice. Giving is a discipline. We're going to get into all these over the course of the fast. Fasting, y'all, this week, our 40-day fast, focus is discipline. Here are your options. When you're fasting, you can do from sun up to sundown, which is 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., Some people do no food from sun up to sundown. Another option for you is some people do liquid only. Some people will fast either one meal or two meals, right? Some people might fast certain types of food. This is a free will offering, so I'm not going to tell you you have to do one. You talk to the Lord and you offer your offering to the Lord. We're just going to say no fast hating, right? So if, if Megan is only doing liquids, and I'm doing sun up to sundown, and she sees me after six o'clock with a burger. I want her to be like, oh, I thought Pastor Mark was spiritual. I'm over here doing this liquid. He having five guys. <laughs> you fast on your faith level. Because this is between you and the Lord. It's your free will offering to the Lord. Listen, drink plenty of liquid. Drink plenty of water. If you are diabetic, do not do the fast. Take care of yourself. If you have an eating disorder, do not do this aspect of the fast. The other aspect of the fast we're going to do is removing distractions. So you can do this aspect no matter what you got. Ask the Lord what distracts you from him and remove it and replace it with Jesus. Also part of the fast, you're going to add a discipline to your life each and every week. Take back some ground from the flesh. Beat your body. Make it your slave. 
And then we're going to be reading the Bible together. We're going to be reading the book of the prophets. And we're going to start with the book of Isaiah. And as a body, we're going to read four chapters a day until we get to the end of the book of the prophets. Now look, for the 40-day fast, if you want to finish that in 40 days, you read six chapters a day. Our goal for everyone is to finish by the end of February. So if you do four chapters a day, you'll do by the end of February. Because I don't want you to race through it. You might be reading the book of the prophets and God might speak something to you and pause you there. I don't want you to feel like I got to race past that. I want you to get what God is saying to you. But we're going to be in God's word together. Are we getting this? So y'all, we're going to put all this online for you as well so you know what we're doing. But let's do this together, y'all. Let's put some, everybody knows. Come on, just to be honest with ourselves, show of hands, if you know you need more discipline in your life, in your spiritual life, praise the Lord. That's just about all of us. So now it's just the IQ test. If I know I need it, I don't have an excuse anymore. What am I going to do about it? And let's do something about it. Starting with this fast, amen? Thank you for tuning into our sermon for this week. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. To learn more about New Creation Ministries, please check out our website at www.ncm.life.